Hello, my little scholars. You said you wanted more science, so um, I've re recruited a special guest to tell you about some famous scientists. So, here is Mr. Esselton. Good evening, troops. Nice to be with you. Today our discussion is going to be a little bit about the history of astronomy and some of the, the bigger names in astronomy that, uh, that, we might, uh, that you might need to know something about. Uh, we'll probably need to start with the Greeks. Now, the Greeks were um, pretty good observational astronomers, but they didn't exactly understand how the world worked. They, they, their basic understanding of the world was that everything moved in circles, and since the Earth moved, uh, everything moved around the Earth in perfect circles practically, that the universe was perfect, and that the stars were basically holes in a crystal sphere. Well, that stood up for a little while, but then as we started looking closer at the stars, we started noticing that things weren't exactly uh, perfect. They started noticing the planets. The planets don't exactly move in perfect, uh, perfect little circles. Occasionally, they'll actually make little perfect donuts, which planets don't normally do unless you understand how the universe is put together, which they did not. So we have to wait about another thousand years for that to be all figured out. So we're going to kind of jump ahead a little bit. Uh, beyond the Greeks, the Romans didn't do much. I don't think they ever looked up. Uh, they were always looking down for treasure and somebody to whack. So we'll move on to basically the rise of Islam. Now, during Islam, uh, we have a renaissance in astronomy. In fact, uh, the, uh, a lot of the Muslim scholar, scholars like uh, Ula Beg who set up a tremendous observatory, Samarkand, in Central Asia, was one of the great observational astronomers of all time. As a matter of fact, he made some of the first great star maps. Uh, and if you look on a modern star map today, you'll find that most of the major stars have Arabic names for that reason, because the Arabs mapped them, and once you map them, you get to name them. They kind of kept astronomy alive during the Dark Ages. And then as time moved on, we have other contributions to astronomy, like, for example, the Chinese. The Chinese were so dedicated to astronomy because they felt like that was a, that could foretell uh, coming events, maybe disasters, maybe great events, maybe the death of an emperor, or it's it's a lot a whole variety of different things that that the Chinese used um, use stellar observation for. But uh, the history of the Chinese. Uh, in terms of their contribution was that they were some of the first to notice the sun had sunspots. Now, I'm not sure what emperor recruited some idiot to stare at the sun for long periods of time, but I'm sure he didn't last very long at it. And there was a considerable turnover of astronomers during, uh, during the reign of, Ch of Chinese emperors. But anyway, the Chinese uh, were pretty good observational astronomers too. And so they, they, made, they made significant contributions to astronomy itself. So anyway, let's go back to uh, what was happening during Western Europe during the, quote, Dark Ages. And quite frankly, they were Dark Ages because every time some celestial event would happen at night, people in Western Europe would hide. For example, the, um, you know, the, there, was a, there was an explosion in 1066 of a star that we could actually see in the daytime. Uh, it was, and we call it now, we call it the Crab Nebula because that's all that's remained behind is a gigantic smoke ring. But during that explosion, uh, the Chinese recorded it. 
they made note of it. They said it was visible during the daytime for at least two weeks. In Western Europe, and again, this was 1066 during the Dark Ages, nobody wrote down anything, probably because, number one, they couldn't write. Number two, because they were afraid to look up in the night sky and see something like that because it may foretold evil events to occur. And in, in essence, it may have because that was about the same period of time that William the Conqueror decided that he wanted England, and so he invaded England around 1066, about the, the same time that this crab nebula appeared. So, you know, maybe there's there's a connection. I'm, William the Conqueror pulled it off, so maybe he had some divine intervention. Well, regardless, astronomy during the Dark Ages didn't take off till around the 1600s, when the when the heavy hitters on the astronomy stage occurred, like Galileo, for example, and Leeuwenhoek, who, who invented the first telescope. Now, when Galileo got his hands on the first telescope, boy, things changed rapidly. In fact, they changed so rapidly, he got himself uh, put in jail because of it. Uh, but the telescope can, uh, and he wasn't uh, using it for illicit purposes, shall we say, like like observations of the neighborhood, but was actually uh, uh, using it to do astronomy with, and that got him in some pretty deep trouble with the church because uh, he kind of messed up this perfect world that we had by finding another one out there called Jupiter, which at the time he didn't realize. He thought he'd found another solar system. Instead, he found a giant planet with four major stars around it, Io, Callisto, Ganymede, and Europa, and that kind of changed the worldview for everybody else because of the spotting of this other, quote, world. And the church was really upset with Galileo for upset, upsetting society's apple cart by finding another, another, civil, another, not civilization, but another world out in space. So anyway, it did, it did get him into considerable hot water, but that also kind of opened up the field of astronomy. People started saying, well, let's look at this. One of the other big-time uh, astronomers to appear on the stage was Copernicus. Now, Copernicus was a Polish astronomer and also part of the clergy. Well, he, uh, he had some interesting ideas, which really got him into some, some significant hot water because he suddenly th decided that, well, he could explain why planets didn't move exactly in perfect circles like we thought they should. Uh, in fact, they moved in what was called an ellipse. Now, the ellipse is an interesting mathematical um, construction because it has basically two foci to it uh, to create the ellipse. But a planet moving in ellipses means that they're not perfect circles. And when uh, Copernicus um, proposed this, he also said, you know, if we don't use the sun... I mean, the Earth as the center of the universe, but we actually use the sun as a center. Everything works pretty well. But he was a little afraid to throw this out there because of what happened to Galileo and so forth. The church kind of frowned on some of this stuff, so he was pretty careful. In fact, he wrote it all down, but he did not publish it until um, until he was on his deathbed, which was on the future consequences, except he was afraid of being excommunicated by the church. So there were some consequences that he thought might come into play. But anyway, he, he put out what's called the heliocentric theory of, uh, of the solar system, which meant the sun was at the center of the solar system and not the earth. 
and this helped out observational astronomy, astronomy considerably. It was, but it was very revolutionary at that point in time.